As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today... Classic own goals, the return of Valencia, Bayern get Bayern, and Moo romances the Romans. Plus, Juve with a KO, a debut for Leo and Real still pushing for Mbappé despite all the money that they owe. All that and more in this Totally Football Show European edition in association with Paddy Barrow. Hello, friend. It's Tuesday, the 31st of August. And yes, your totally Euro crew are all here. President Correct Alvaro Romeo. Hello. Check. James Horncastle. Check. Julian Laurent. Bonjour. In the house. And a fresh back from Holz, Raphael Honigstein. Hello, James and everyone. Great to have you back, Rafa. Great to be back. And your enthusiasm levels are sky high after that well-earned rest. Good stuff. Looking <laughs> they, forward they to hearing about... Yep, good. And there's lots to look forward to uh, from you, from the Bundesliga, from all the leagues. Jules, excited to be hearing about the sixth best league in Europe? Yes. Uh, yes, because... Yes. Who cares about coefficient? It's just it's like your age. Do you care about your age? It's just a number. That was a little reference, listener, to uh, the fact that Monaco got eliminated... By Shakhtar Donetsk from the Champions League preliminaries so last week. Uh, and so only PSG and Lille will represent France in the group stages of that competition. So, yeah, the coefficient dropped to sixth behind Portugal. Crikey. They were so unlucky. Monaco. Nah. They really were. I thought, Jules, didn't you? Like, how many chances yeah, did Binieda have? Yeah, they had so many chances, so many shots on target. And Shakhtar had one shot. One goal and one deflected cross that ended up in the goal. I guess they all count. And like Roberto De Zerbi said after the game, all they had really was their heart and balls. And that counted and that's how they went through. But yeah, I thought Monaco over the two legs was certainly the better team. And no away rule, which was uh, decisive in this uh, in this tire. Yeah. Yeah. If that had still been in place, Niko Kovac's side would have gone through. But instead, they stay home. Anyway... Ligue 1, the only league with a six-time Ballon d'Or winner in it, though, eh? And on that note, 
Let's have your moments of the weekend with Paddy Power, starting just with you. It can only be Messi making his debut in Reims as well, the uh, the city of the the French kings and coronations, and maybe the best the best place really outside of Paris to make his debut and for a new Ligue 1 king to be crowned. Right, great venue for Messi's first game with Paris Saint Germain, and quite possibly Mbappe's last game with Paris Saint Germain. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that very shortly. Alvaro, what's your moment of the weekend? Well, it has to be the last seconds of Atletico Villarreal. Uh, the yellow submarine are leading 2-1 away at Wanda Metropolitano. Um, basically, they've got some seconds left to win the game. And Unai Emery himself is seconds away from beating Simeone for the first time in 15 attempts. Uh, all that was set to happen. And suddenly, a long ball from Atletico de Madrid. Saul sends a long ball. Mandy just clears it into his own net. And uh, Atletico gets uh, an equalizer in the last second of the game. Everything seemed to be said for Villarreal <laughs> to wreck the arch of victory. But but no, it was an extraordinary own goal. It wasn't the only extraordinary own goal that we had this weekend, A eh, Rafa? Our two beautiful on goals from Augsburg against Leverkusen, their 4-1 defeat. Both, both just amazing. Uh, one a little chip into an empty net and one a bullet header. Um, yeah, sadly the wrong... The wrong, the wrong net, but still beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's your moment of the weekend, though, Mr. Honigstein? I think it's Erling Haaland scoring the last-minute winner for Dortmund. It felt so important, not just for the three points, but the way that Dortmund seemed to have thrown this game away for the umpteenth time against a middling team. They conceded Nikolai's in the 89th minute and then the 90th minute. Haaland scored the winner. Jetzt die Möglichkeit, wieder der Torwart, Mukoku nochmal der Torwart und der Ball ist drin, der Ball ist drin, Erling Haaland, Erling Haaland in der 91. Minute. Changed the whole dynamic about the international break, because another case of Dortmund dropping points I think would have been really awful as far as the mood was concerned. Now they won it, uh, they should really address some of the issues at the back, it's been pretty poor from them, far too many goals conceded. But going forward, oh, it's just such a joy to see this team. And to, to, to see the finish from Haaland, it looks like, a, like an easy one because he's only about five metres out, but there's about three men between him and the goal and he just manages to smash it into the roof. Perfect technique. Um, mm. Yeah, felt like a very big goal. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Horncastle, what about you? Well, Ronaldo leaving. That's... That was a small bit of news that, that came out last week. Don't know if you, you saw that. Uh, Juventus, Juventus then losing uh, their first home game in front of a crowd for 18 months uh, against Empoli, who'd never beaten them in Turin. Um, and so I think that has to be the moment. But I'm kind of, I feel it's been eclipsed since then, James, since Sunday night in Salerno, where just when I thought I was out, Mu pulls me back in. I think it's Moo, the special one is back. The special one is back. It's 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 happening. It's happening. <laughs> you know he's gonna I'm break your in. heart. In in three he months is. he's gonna break your heart. And I know. You know that. I know in, in, in a few weeks' time I'll be like, this was the worst decision Roma ever made, and yet <laughs> and yet I'm all in right now. I'm on the Moo train. Let's I let's mean, let's bring it home. On the train back to Rome with his Coca-Cola and his pizza looking so smug mm. on his face with his glasses. You know, it was so good. I loved it. it. was so good. Loved it. Yep. So good. So, so good. <laughs> Magnificent uh. stuff from, from Roma and their neighbours Lazio 
uh, another former Chelsea manager, Maurizio Sarri, there, uh, absolutely flying at the start of this City House season. We'll get to all of that soon enough. We're going to begin after this with League The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Neymar remplacé par Léo Messi, champagne pour la Ligue 1, Reims, la ville des sacs, accueille un roi du foot 19 jours après son arrivée à Paris. Messi joue enfin sous le maillot du Paris Saint-Germain. La soirée est tout simplement historique. Yes, Lionel Messi has joué enfin, 66 minutes into PSG's 2-0 win at Reims. On he trotted, looking I don't know. Was he a little bit embarrassed at all the attention? Would you, do you think he was a bit nervous, uh, maybe, Jules? No, I don't think he was. I mean, they had cameras on him pretty much the whole day. Um, certainly, Reims had never seen so many fans outside an opposition hotel, like the one outside the PSG hotel through the whole day. And then pretty much, I think, everybody in the stadium really wanted Messi to play and even the Reims fans were chanting his name when he was about to come on. I mean, Ander Herrera made a really good joke on social media saying, I've never heard so many applauds from, from me coming on onto the pitch when obviously it was for Messi, but they came on at the same time. I just thought it was it was fantastic. He didn't come out from the dressing room to warm up before the game. You know, when the subs do like little keepy uppies or whatever, he stayed inside. At halftime, they all came out but not him. He stayed inside as well. And then in that 66 minute, uh, just a bit before he came out and started warming up on the touchline and then came on. And and obviously we, we looked at everything he did and there's a few little moments of acceleration, keeping the ball, first touches, etc. Little pass and move and stuff like that. But it was it was amazing, I have to say. What was your little heart doing, Jules, when you saw him? There, I was on BT Sport. It was, I looked like an absolute idiot because I could not stop smiling. And I was just waiting. I was just trying in my head to think, okay, 60th minute, maybe 70th, I said on BT, maybe 65th. Uh, just just waiting, really. And 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 then he, then he came on. And it was just amazing. You know, I, I grew up watching this team with sometimes really average players, as we mentioned before, and to see the greatest of all time coming on is just incredible. I just can't wait now to be in the stadium when he plays yeah. after the international break. Your smile. It, you look like Michael Gove or something. Uh, sorry, Alvaro. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> hard skin. Come on. That is... No. That's below the belt. No, I was going to say, the game had uh, some interest in Spain as well, for obvious reasons. It was Lionel Messi. And uh, it had in total... I think I have 4 million uh, viewers, uh, 2 million on Twitch and another 2 million in, in, on Spanish TV. Uh, Mediaset showed the game for free. And, you know, the interest is still there. And it was quite interesting as well to see who was going to have more views. Uh, either Ibai Llanos, a very famous Spanish streamer, the first Spanish guy who interviewed Messi in Paris when he signed for the club, or uh, Mediaset, which is uh, just a normal TV channel that you can find on Terrestrial. And they were quite even. I think Mediaset won mm, by margin, you know. But it's interesting to see what the dynamics are as well and uh, how many people are watching football right now online uh, on Twitch, which is not even a digital channel, you know. It's very interesting. And by the way, uh, do you know who bought the rights of uh, the Ligue 1 uh, to watch those games from, on Twitch? Gerard Piquet's company. Gerard Piquet? Yeah. Wow. He, he, his company bought uh, the Davis Cup two, three years ago, the rights. 
Eh, he bought the Copa America eh, this summer and they show the Copa America on Twitch and eh, they bought the rights of Ligan. So, as you can see, I say that many times. Gerard Piqué is a tremendous entrepreneur. He's the guy who got the sponsor for Barcelona, Rakuten, four years ago. And eh, he's still in the market, man. And he knows what he's doing. Brilliant. Managed to beat off all the competition for the Twitch League uh, rights. Uh, fantastic. As I mentioned, uh, Jules, there's a little bit of confusion still, despite PSG's denials, uh, about Mbappe's future with the club. What's the latest on this Monday night as we record, Jules? The latest is that Real Madrid have uh, abandoned the, the negotiation with, with PSG. We know that they... One of the directors, let's put it out to make it simple, uh, travelled to Paris today and uh, they didn't find an agreement. I still think this is a bit of a bluff and there's still plenty of time if they really want to do that move. But it's been a big poker game between Real Madrid and PSG and PSG still want more money. I think they would open the door only if there's more money. They're also working on a replacement and all the guys that they want are really hard to do. So that's not helping, you know, let's say if... If they had a, a player lined up to replace Mbappe ready to come straight away, I think it would be easier for to negotiate that move and to maybe let him go. But the fact as well that he's, he's also happy to stay. And again, he, there's still enough time for him to leave. But the fact that it's not a usual Real Madrid pattern, if you want, because usually the players that they want and they push so far in the transfer window go to the clash with their clubs. We saw that with Modric, with, we saw that with Bale. With Mbappe, as much as they would love him to do the same, um, he, he doesn't want to do it. So it'll be very interesting next 24 hours. But right now, it looks like, certainly looks like when we record this, that he will be staying. And he got both the goals in that 2-0 victory away at Rance. Yeah, and this is a little bit uh, silly, but uh, in uh, some Spanish papers and also in El Chiringuito, uh, they were uh, accusing Kylian Mbappé of not making a wink to Real Madrid or not saying that he wants to leave. Or um, I think that Mbappé, I don't know if he tweeted or he put on his Instagram uh, on Sunday that uh, it was like a perfect night for him after scoring two goals. And uh, he got some critics from a third time part of the Spanish media too. But the truth is that Real Madrid has made the attempt now. And uh, I don't think that this is over yet. There are still 24 hours to go. And uh, Jules may tell us better, but... This looks to me like, not like a normal signing, obviously, because uh, this, is, this goes beyond the sports. I think that this is more like a, if Real Madrid manages to do it, it looks a little bit like, a, in a way, like a takeover bid in the sense that this is a transformational uh, signing for Real Madrid. And uh, probably PSG wants also to show them that uh, they are not going to sell a player because this is strategical for PSG as well. It looks to me like this is not a normal transfer. It's something else. When PSG got Neymar, in fact, the power shifted from Barcelona to PSG. And I think that if PSG keeps Kylian Mbappé, uh, they are going to even strengthen their power in world football. But don't you think, Alvaro, that Real Madrid are also secretly hoping that they won't accept the bid? Because there's so much money for nine months. Sign him next year. Yeah, but Real Madrid needs Kylian Mbappé probably right now. Uh, that's the reason why they are doing the signing. And it's true that they are going to save a lot of money. But uh, if they go for Mbappé in January, uh, there will be probably more competition for the player. They will have to up the salary. That's a possibility as well. And the thing is that they think that this is the moment to try to get uh, Kylian Mbappé. It's as simple as that. They sold plenty of academy assets that they could have stayed over the last uh, two or three years, keeping Mbappé like their main target, Hakimi. Reguilón, 
Marcos Llorente, Martin Odegaard, all these players, they are raised in the academy or they were signed very early in their careers and they have become pretty much the trading coin or the trading currency to get Kylian Mbappé. So Real Madrid had this plotted for a long time now. What needs to happen, Alvaro and Jules, for this to go through between now and Tuesday evening? More money, I think. But how, how much? What's... I think, well, I was told 220 million euros. I think at 200 million, they let him go. I get what Alvaro is saying. I, I don't think you need him You need him that badly that you're ready to spend 200 million on someone who who is free in six months' time. I really don't. As much as amazing as he is, and he, he really is, I think he will go there in a year time. I think they, they, cannot, they, they cannot justify this on saying, but we're scared that if we don't sign him now, he can go to Liverpool in a year or he can go to Manchester City or Barcelona or Juventus or wherever because his dream is to play for Real Madrid. So he will go in a year time. The, the other fear might be that in between now and next year, he extends his deal in Paris, but he's been pretty clear that he's not going to do that. And also for the one, for the listeners who don't really know Kylian Mbappé. He's one of the most stubborn guys, and so is his dad, by the way. So if he says to Paris now, I'm not going to extend, so either you find an agreement now with Madrid and you get some money, or I'm happy to stay, but I will leave for nothing, he's not going to change his mind. Neymar can try as much as he wants, and Sergio Ramos, and Messi, and Kimpembe, and any one of them, I don't think he will change his mind, and I don't think he will extend the contract. So I, I, I think it's only the money really is is the, the key here and if they find a replacement because why would you let him go if you can't bring anyone in and at the moment right. they're struggling to find someone it makes no financial sense for Real Madrid to do this deal right now it makes all the financial sense for Kylian Mbappe as well to do it next summer when he'll get the transfer fee that's a signing on fee plus he gets a year to play with Lionel Messi he'll probably get a better chance to win the Champions League now than he will next year at Real Madrid so do what you do with PSG this year and then move to Real Madrid just the last thing. Florentino Pérez is going to unveil the new Santiago Bernabeu soon in September, and he wants to do it with Kylian Mbappé. That's number one. Number two, Real Madrid knows that they are closer to winning big titles with Mbappé than without him, and Real Madrid hasn't won a big title uh, for more than 12 months now. That's unacceptable for Real Madrid. That's why they are going for Kylian Mbappé. They've got the money. Well, we'll know by Tuesday evening, listener. So next up, let's get back to the football. We're off to Italy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Ancora Lempoli, è finita. Super sorpresa all'Allianz Stadium. Vince Lempoli per 1-0. Super sorpresa indeed. You can hear there the whistles are ringing out at the Allianz Stadium in Turin as Juve got their new post-Ronaldo era. Off to a rotten start, losing 1-0, as James Horncastle mentioned earlier, to newly promoted Empoli. Well done, Empoli, eh? Huge for them. Yeah, very much so. Um, after taking the lead against Lazio last weekend and then losing 3-1, uh, 
Uh, they lost their manager in the summer after he got them up uh, from uh, the second division, Alessio Dionisi, who went to Sassuolo to replace Roberto De Zerbi. And they really went for it against uh, Juventus, particularly in the first half. Uh, Aurelio Andreazzoli said, I told the players before the game that I believe they could get something. Uh, I wasn't bluffing. Um, and a lovely build-up uh, to the only goal of the game, even if they were quite fortunate that it uh, came to uh, Mancuso. Mancuso, who is one of those players who has kind of been moved around as part of those kind of plus Valencia kind of deals over the years without really settling. And 18 months on Juve's books. Exactly. Made, the name, made for himself uh, in the second division and this is, I think his first goal in the top flight. And uh, even though Juventus really piled it on in the final 20 minutes, um, they were well worth their win. I thought uh, Vicario was more like a, a Sicario, James, in, nice. uh, in goal yeah. for them. Um, shooting down any shot that came his way. Um, so yeah, all credit to the uh, the Tuscans. Brilliant start to to what the second week of Serie A for them. Right, but big questions for Allegri. He threw everybody at this one. They had Chiesa, Dybala, Morata, Kozlevski, Manuel Locatelli was on as well. They're really struggling to create. There had been a lot of talk about them looking for players to replace Ronaldo. The word seemed to be that it was Moise Kane who's returning on loan from Everton. Is that definitive now? Yeah, I mean, Kane was in uh, Italy on Sunday night. I mean, he actually arrived. He touched down at Caselle shortly after full-time. Um, so he's he underwent a medical uh, on Sunday. Um, I think they will try and do another striker as well, although it will be very difficult at this juncture. Um, obviously, Ronaldo making that decision um, when he did, did not leave them with a lot of time uh, between, uh, what, Friday and the, the end of the transfer window on Tuesday today. And I think they'll try and sign another midfield player as well, although that's very difficult. And the midfield has been a bugbear of Juventus fans for a long time, going back to the end uh, of Allegri's first spell at the club. And you looked at the midfield he put together, uh, at least his starting eleven, uh, with uh, Danilo, who was playing as a kind of centre-back, right-back hybrid last year, did play some games in midfield. He was playing in front of the defence instead of the injured Aaron Ramsey, there was Rabiot, who just seems to stalk around like a giraffe. That's what Paolo Di Canio um, says um, when he's playing. I don't know if uh, Julian agrees with that. And then Weston McKinney, who looked uh, like he didn't know where he was playing and was hooked at half-time. And as you mentioned, they they threw on all their most skillful technical players um, in, in the second half, but uh, they didn't seem to have any presence in the penalty area. Um, yeah, I thought that that break that Chiesa made in the first half where <laughs> he kind of blitzed past five players uh, and, and all of a sudden the, the kind of play opens up in front of him and there's no one there. Um, I thought that was pretty indicative of Juventus' problems, James. Is Pjanic coming back? Is that a possibility? That's the answer. It's the answer. Pjanic is always the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we joke, but I do think Juventus have missed him um, in the last year. Um, certainly even last year on the the Peeler they didn't have a player like him Arto who was part of that infamous swap is always injured Um, and uh, yeah that midfield needs upgrading Locatelli is is not enough even though Juventus will not play the kind of possession heavy football that Pirlo and Sarri tried to introduce Um, I think at this juncture and it may may change that uh, Pjanic will not be a Juventus player after the window 
They're going to. Tr- they're trying to sign these players from PSG. They want Paredes, for example, to bring back. They tried for Icardi, but Icardi's being held in standby just in case Mbappe um, goes to goes to Real Madrid. So Juventus kind of, uh, on the one hand, they were always looking for a striker after Ronaldo, but I think after the how bad they were at the weekend, they're looking for a midfielder too. Yeah, and the weekend before, of course, when they let that 2-0 lead slip away at Udinese and their next game after international break, we'll see them heading down to uh, Spalletti's Napoli, who are among the uh, the teams who are off to a cracking start. Uh, the other title contenders all scoring for fun, unlike Juve, Inter got three, Milan got four, Roma also got four, Lazio got six this weekend. Anyway, we'll be checking in on those teams later on because next up, let's hear about a bit of Bundesliga. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. Had enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> Paddy Power! 18plusbegumbleaware.org On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Fun fact for you, Rafa. In the top European leagues that have played enough games, only three sides have a 100% winning record. You've got PSG, Spurs and Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, Rafa. The mighty VfL Wolfsburg, yes. Right. With that, Mark van Bommel, managerial maestro. They've just beaten uh, RB Leipzig this weekend. Tell us all about them. Well, Wolfsburg, as you recall, James, had a really strong defence last year. Their their top four finish was based on that, really. They had, of course, Wout Weghorst up front and Reid Lebaku playing really well, who's, I'm sure, going to be a mainstay for Germany now. But we didn't expect Mark van Bommel to continue necessarily in the same vein because he wasn't necessarily known for being that kind of coach. Um, we expected perhaps slightly more... Um, slightly more open for the Wolfsburg. But so far, they've been really just continuing what they did well last year. They were very gritty. They were very difficult to play against. Leipzig are a little bit undercooked at the moment. You could also see that. Uh, they really struggled. And the results the results are good. I'm not, I'm not sure they, they're necessarily title contenders. I think there's still a huge gap between them and Dortmund and possibly Leipzig when Leipzig playing to their full potential. But it hasn't come out of nothing because this is the, the fourth best side from, from last season. Mm, going to be in the Champions League as well. They've drawn a very tasty-looking group as well with uh, RB Salzburg and Sevilla. Tasty, and, and... I think tasty, especially for those who will play them in the last 16, because this is the group that everyone wants to come up against. Uh, right. No right. real, real recognised powerhouse in there. But but decent sides, as you said. Mm. It's the first time that uh, Wolfsburg have ever won their opening three matches in a Bundesliga season. A great start thus for Mark van Bommel. Not so much for Ted Lasso, a.k.a. Jesse Marsh of uh, of RB Leipzig. <laughs> no, he's struggling a bit. And I didn't expect it to happen that way, I must admit, because I felt that, yes, it would be a slightly transitional season because... You lose your two centre-backs. I mean, Konate didn't play that much, but certainly Upamecano was the guy at the back who held the thing together. 
You've just lost your, your captain, Master Sabato, who hasn't played so far because of injury and perhaps wasn't quite in the right frame of mind to play. And of course, you lost the manager in Julian Nagelsmann. Right. Um, but I felt that Jesse Marsh's motivational capabilities would would actually push them quite far, aligned with the fact that you know they have the likes of Dominic Soboslai finally playing and one or two really interesting signings. But I think it takes a bit more time. And they certainly mm. didn't look like their old self. And I think it's going to be tough for them because the next game in the Bundesliga is Bayern. Mm. And then they've got Man City in the Champions League. If you struggle against Wolfsburg, you might have a hard time against those sides as well. It's an interesting clash, that one coming up uh, after the international break with Bayern, because those three big departures, the captain, centre-back and the manager, they've all got one thing in common. It's our old friends Bayern Munich hoovering up anyone who <laughs> dares get get close to them in the title race. Yeah, I mean, it does It does feed into the into the stereotype to a certain extent because, because there's a kernel of truth in it that Bayern like to buy from from the competition I think two things are happening here on the one hand I don't think it was planned that way you know they, they signed Upamecano at a time when Flick was actually talking to him um, trying to bring him on if Flick doesn't go Nagelsmann doesn't go if Nagelsmann doesn't go Sabata probably doesn't go um, so I'm not sure this was quite sort of the strategic move to destroy Leipzig as it perhaps was with, with Dortmund and Götze and Lewandowski but of course, it does shows you that the league is dysfunctional because the second or third best team should not lose their main three protagonists or three of their main three protagonists to Bayern. Uh, Bayern are in a position where they can do that. Dortmund have kind of come to the point where they can isolate themselves as far as Bayern is concerned to a certain extent. But they still lose their best players. They won't lose them to Bayern, but their best players will still move on, whereas Bayern can still keep their best players a little bit longer. And then Bayern's advantage keeps growing, regardless of whether they buy the players or somebody else buys the players from their rivals. And uh, it's, not, it's not a good sign for the league. But for Bayern, it's a brilliant signing because Sabitzer is the perfect complement to Goretzka and Kimmich. Can play as a six, can play as an eight, can play as a ten, can play on the left, can play on the right. Super versatile. Twenty-seven. You know, you've got the best sort of three or four years coming up for him, and he's played under Nagelsmann. So, and he's available for for very little money, uh, fifteen million euros plus add-ons. Yes, of course, only one year left on his contract, but that's still that's a great deal. So you can't blame Bayern for doing the deal. Meanwhile, Bayern beginning to click nicely under their manager Julian Nagelsmann, ex of Leipzig. 17 goals, Rafa, in their last two matches. This follows the midweek Pokal clash in which they put 12 goals past fifth-tier Bremer SV. Eric Maxim Schubermoting scoring four and assisting another three in that 12-0 win. And then this weekend, perhaps as impressively, they took on Hürter Berlin and beat them 5-0. Although I think they destroyed them last year as well, did they not, in the Bundesliga? They did. I mean, Hertha, I don't know how impressive a big win against Hertha is these days because Hertha are just as bad as they were last year. A team that have all the ambition, talk the talk about, you know, being a big club, doing this, doing that. And then you see them turn up and there's just absolutely no, no cohesion, no real idea of what they're trying to do and all sorts of players that have been bought by different sporting directors and, and 
it's just a, such a giant mess. Um, but first to buy, and yes, they were good. Yes, there are signs that things are beginning to click. Um, Lewandowski had a great game, of course, scoring a hat-trick. Uh, Jamal Muziala was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Leroy Sané came on and, and played reasonably well. So, yeah, Bayern are very happy with themselves at the moment. But Hertha are in such a tr- such trouble that Paul Dardai, the head coach, basically got the sense that he's no longer being backed by the hierarchy because they tweeted some stuff about you know, Hertha having to change and the CEO came out saying we had tactical deficits and all this kind of stuff that you really do not want to hear as a manager, especially going to international break. And he said, well, you know, Hertha have been looking for this big manager, big coach for a long time now. I'm the little guy. I'm the nice guy. If they don't want me enough anymore, I'll go back to the under 16s. And it wasn't even said in in anger. It was just kind of statement. You know, if you really don't want me, I go back to the under 16s. I don't care. Um, so I think he might have his wish granted fairly soon Oof. as oh, Hertha yeah. trying to find the next guy that will uh, m- make heads or tail of this messy, messy squad that they have. Messy, not in a good way. With a, not with No, a, not no, with the eye. other kind, yeah. yeah. Well, it's very much tails uh, for them at the moment. They're down at the last place in the Bundesliga. As you mentioned, coming up after the international break, we have uh, interesting games like... Uh, the uh, Rabi Leipzig Bayern Munich match, but also Bayern Leverkusen against Dortmund, uh, who we should touch on quickly. Leverkusen, you you mentioned the extraordinary pair of own goals which uh, paved the way for their success were at Augsburg, but the Dortmund uh, result meantime three two at home to Hoffenheim. Uh, interesting to see all three of their goal scorers born in England. But how how big a result do you think was it for them? The fact that Harlem was able to to snatch that winner in stoppage time. Yeah, huge, huge result, huge result for them because it would have been so frustrating to drop points again against a team that they really should beat and they defended so poorly. Yes, they have some injury problems and Axel Witzel is never going to be your best centre-back and they were already low on pace without him playing there and they, they were even more off the pace. Yeah, Gregor Kobel in goal actually had a, had a great game and made a real difference. I think with Burke in goal, they might lose this game. But... Yeah, I mean, Haaland rescued them. There's just absolutely no doubt. I mean, Haaland gave them the three points. Haaland changed the whole debate. Um, Haaland is the guy that makes things happen. When when Dortmund squander chances and, and are far too, far too open at the back. So it just underlines the extraordinary importance. And I think they were quite happy, Dortmund, that the Kylian Mbappe deal has taken a lot longer to go through or maybe not will go through at all because there was a real worry about them at the end of last week that the money that PSG will receive will immediately put on be put on the table to tempt Dortmund and I think they would have found it very very hard to turn down a 200 million euro or so offer because they are PLC because they lost money last year and because we know Erling Haaland will leave for 75 million euros next season when his release clause kicks in so they're, they're quite happy, I think, that this has been drawn out and that uh, it's now really been, it's not really too late to do this as far as how They'll be eyeing the concerned. fax machine nervously between now and, and Tuesday night's <laughs> deadline. All right. Uh, fantastic stuff, Rafa. Uh, uh, thank you for that. Next up, should we have a quick word on last uh, Thursday and Friday's uh, Champions League and Europa League draws? This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
Right. What about the Conference League? You haven't even mentioned that. Disgrace. Yes, you're right, James Horncastle, the Conference League as well. What's your standout fixture with the draws that were made for the, the Conference League? What, what did you think? Mm-mm. <laughs> there are no Spanish clubs in there, so... No Spanish clubs in the Conference League? Crikey. No, not, not at all, James, because Villarreal qualified for it, but then uh, they won the Europa League and they went oh, yeah. straight to the Champions League. Champions League and they're in a group with Man United and Atalanta and young boys with former Huddersfield manager David Wagner uh, Crikey yeah so the draws I mean you've probably seen it was a while ago now what caught your eye was it the fact that Inter and Real Madrid and Shakhtar are going to do it all over again just like last year was it Liverpool coming up against uh, Atletico Madrid was it a Moldovan side in the Champions League for the first time what what excites you most? Pick out one thing for us, Jules. Um, I like I like the um, the City PSG uh, retrouvaille if you want after the semi final of last season. It would be good in the group stage and see uh, quite early on those two teams sort of like looking at each other and maybe maybe hoping to meet again later in the st- later in the competition. But I like the fact that a lot of them who played recently against each other, you said the. Inter, Shakhtar and Real Madrid, Atletico and Liverpool, of course, the last time Atletico won there, that they, they're just meeting each other and, and can get like a little revenge kind of thing. Mm, all right. Alvaro? Well, there are a couple of things. Sometimes we tend to say that the group of death is that one with the three very big teams. But in my case, I'm going for the Group G. I think that Lille, Sevilla, Salzburg and Wolfsburg, they're going to have a hell of a battle to qualify. That's going to be pretty exciting. And then I really want to see what Atletico does in the Champions League. Seriously, they've got a very difficult group to start with. And they haven't won any more than two games in Europe over the last uh, 12 months. Last season, they all only managed to beat Salzburg. They didn't compete against Bayern at the Allianz Arena. They didn't compete against Chelsea either. So I think this year examines again um, the power of Atletico uh, outside the Spanish borders. Okay. They have a terrific record against uh, Liverpool, who were in that group with them. Liverpool only had one victory in their six meetings with Atletico Madrid in European competition. Also in that group, Porto and Milan, which is it's tremendously suggestive having the Rossoneri back in there, James. How, how competitive do you think they're going to be? Well, I think they've got a better squad uh, than they did last season uh, when they did quite well in the Europa League. They were eliminated by Manchester United, but they played very well um, at Old Trafford, uh, particularly Frank Kessie that night. I think they've got experience up front in Giroud and uh, Zlatan. Uh, we'll get to Giroud's performance uh, at the weekend, maybe a little bit later. Um but I think it's a tricky group uh, for all involved, uh, really. I think that is... Uh, Alvaro mentioned the other one with Lille and Salzburg. That just feels like the classic Champions League group that happens every year, which kind of just... Everyone wants to play the winner or runner-up in the round of 16. Uh, and uh, the winner of that tie ends up playing against... I don't know. Playing against the team from the other kind of slightly soft group. So... Um, so yeah, I think that's that's probably the, one of the most difficult groups in the in the competition. All right, Rafa, what did you make of the draw? Uh, yeah, really, really like the draw. I think I'm actually in a strange way more excited about the Europa League draw because Go on, the groups why? are really really interesting there. Because uh, just every every group seems to be just exciting um, as far as the, the the journeys are concerned, the fans, the matchups, uh, so many storylines. Um, if you look at the group with uh, Marseille, Lazio, Gala and Lokomotiv Moscow, I mean, that is just, that's going to be amazing. 
uh, off the pitch as well as on it. I think the Champions League is is, is decent. Um, it doesn't strike you as that difficult though for the for the better sides to go through. You don't. We don't really have a bona fide sort of group of death, which is a bit a bit disappointing. I think even Leipzig. I think last year, you know, they might have created some problems for City and PSG. I think this year it probably will come short a little bit. So yeah, it'll still be fun. It'll still be fun to see Bayern play Barcelona. Um, and remind them of the result of when they met last time, for example. Just, just I'm just picking a random example here, of course, nothing to do with my personal sort of preferences or anything. All right. Well, we'll be previewing, of course, those uh, that first set of fixtures, which is coming up the midweek after the international break, right here soon enough on the Totally Football Show. Quick shout-out for Turkish football, the Super League. Mario Balotelli's there now after his uh, brilliant and hugely successful spells at Brescia and Monza in the Italian second division. He's playing for Adana Demispor. Is it going well, James Horncastle? <laughs> I only saw his sideline tantrum by the looks of it. Right. Uh, yeah. He didn't look particularly happy, Paul Mario. No, he's, he's had three starts. They've had three games. He started them all. Hasn't scored. He was subbed off in this latest one, their 1-1 draw with Konyaspor. This is Adana Demispor he's playing for. And he was so upset that he punched the dugout and then punched the man sitting next to him as well and swore at the manager, who was uh, entirely coincidentally, apparently, fired the next day. Uh, but uh, yes, well, there you go. Loads more football to discuss. Where do you fancy heading next? Actually, we haven't heard from La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. With Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Think of it as your protection against Arsenal doing an Arsenal. And in the words of Jennifer Aniston, here comes the science bit. Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet is £10. Enhanced match odds are not included. Online exclusives only. T's and C's apply. And please be gambleaware.org. Wow. Alvaro, you're right. It does sound pretty funny, that. Just to emphasise the point... It's the 95th minute and Emery's about to get his first ever win over Diego Simeone. Villarreal are about to beat the Spanish champions at Atletico Madrid. And it's an innocuous enough ball. And just describe what happens again. Well, basically, Mandy, the central defender of Villarreal, uh, decides to head the ball to his goalkeeper, Jerónimo Rulli. But Rulli is not right. there. The problem is that Rulli made the move. Yeah, exactly. Rulik was gone. So the ball, um, unfortunately for Mandy, uh, went into his goal and it was a true all draw. Yeah, I don't think Rulik thought Mandy was going to get to the ball. So he's gone across to, to basically hmm. get it from the other side of the field where he an- anticipates it arriving. But Mandy, in the meantime, has intercepted and headed it back to his own keeper, who's not there. And and there's the, the magnificent way in which all the Villarreal players collapsed onto the turf simultaneously... It, it told a story. Anyway, there you go. Atletico dropping points for the first time this season. Sevilla, the other team who had made a perfect start, also dropping points. 
What else did we see? Well, Barcelona and Real both won. Barca beat Getafe 2-1. Real beat Real Betis 1-0. Danny Carvajal with a rather excellent winner set up by uh, Karim Benzema. Uh, Memphis Depay is off to a bit of a flyer with uh, Barcelona, though. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, he's a player that uh, has understood very quickly that there is a niche in there for him to sign after the departure of Lionel Messi. And uh, he is up to the challenge, really. He scored a really good goal against uh, Getafe, the second goal of Barcelona, after uh, showing that he is very skillful and imaginative in the box as well, because he was able to find like a really tiny angle uh, where to filter the ball through, and he scored one, one goal. He, he's been playing really well. His goal in Bilbao was fantastic as well. And, uh, you know, maybe he is not the kind of player that... Uh, he is going to have a continuity during the game or play the full 90 minutes really, really, really well. I think that uh, he's a player of moments, but uh, Barcelona needs a player like this at the minute and uh, he's up to the challenge. In fact, I think that he has been the best new uh, of Barcelona this season so far because any glimmer of improvement that uh, we saw against uh, in the first game of the season against Real Sociedad uh, has vanished. I mean, against Athletic de Bilbao, Barcelona was below par. And against Getafe, maybe they deserve to win the game, but they couldn't control the ball for the last 20 or 30 minutes. And Barcelona normally do their gospel uh, through the, the possession, you know. So I think that it was a little bit disappointing by, by Barcelona. And if I may single out Antoine Griezmann again, sorry for that, uh, I have to do it. Because I was checking his uh, heat map of the game. And uh, he spent more time in his own half than in the opposition's half. And this is the responsibility of himself probably, but also the manager because I think that with a better management and Tuan Griezmann will be in shooting positions more often. Indeed. I read that Barca only had seven shots in the game, which is their joint lowest total ever at the Camp Nou since Opta started recording this data in 2003-04. Is that just some numbers, Alvaro, or does that point to something quite worrying? <sighs> I think that it was one of the most disappointing uh, games I've seen with Barcelona recently, which uh, is a lot to say, really. The question is, when the players who are out injured and all that come back, will Barcelona improve? I think that they potentially will. Uh, Dembélé and hopefully Ansu Fati, fingers crossed, if he gets fit again and he looks like his past um, version of himself. If they come back, um, if Pedri starts playing again, he was rested for this game because he had a, a really, really heavy summer uh, with playing football, I think that Barcelona will improve. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. But I still believe that they are a little bit soft in defense, especially any attack from the opponent ends up in a, in a shot on Ter Stegen or Neto, whoever is uh, in goal. Uh, they don't have the fortitude, really. Uh, they allow a lot of uh, goal chances. And uh, this is on on Koeman's, really. Uh, I think that the manager uh, should have sorted his defense by this time. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, it's still work in, in progress after a year. And this is very disappointing, as I said before. Sometimes there are some evidences of improvement, but uh, a second later you don't see them. So this is not good. Okay. So uh, early days. Anything else grab your attention from this weekend's action? Uh, Carlos Alaire's a goal in, in Valencia's 3-0 win of Alaves, perhaps. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, uh, Valencia in general. It's great to have them up there. You know, there are six uh, teams on seven points right now, one of them being Mallorca, by the way, who have mm -hmm. 
Really talented players. Eh, Mallorca, they've got Cubo. They've got Canning Lee now, eh, a former Valencia player mm, from South Korea, eh, who is supposed to be a promising talent. And Mallorca are doing very well at the beginning of the season, considering that they are newly promoted. You know, I wasn't expecting this. But Valencia, they got uh, one of the best Spanish managers around. Eh, when you say Bordalas, you mean electricity, you mean voltage. Eh, It was an awakening for Valencia to have, to have a manager like this. And uh, some players, they are stepping up. Carlos Soler, he has uh, become an all-round midfielder uh, to the point that Luis Enrique has capped him with Spain uh, this time uh, to play the international games. Gaia is uh, a knife on the left wing. And I think that the team, uh, they are doing a great effort uh, all together. And they are, uh, maybe they don't have the quality to, to qualify Valencia for the Champions League. I don't think so, you know. But I do believe that this Valencia at least is going to have some passion and some character. So I'm really happy that Valencia is back in La Liga uh, and in, in their terms as well. You know, mm. being uh, that club that uh, if you want to beat them, especially at Mestalla, you really have to fight and suffer. Okay. That, that goal, by the way, lovely build-up, but it's finish. Extraordinary flick, no? I mean, it, it took me one or two replays to really understand hmm. what, what he'd done. It was beautiful because it looked like uh, he was going to head the ball and instead he just touched it with the external part of his foot, uh, flying, flying really, and uh, he smashed it into the net. It was a beautiful goal. Mm. Seek it out. Let's know if you haven't already enjoyed it. All right, next up, let's catch up on the rest of Liga. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Boom! Lille got their first win of the season in Liga, beating Montpellier two-one. Monaco got their first win as well, also by a two-one scoreline. That was at Troyes. Confusingly, uh, Lyon. They got their first victory too. That was away at Nantes. First victory under Peter Bosch. Ooh, they're in uh, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers Europa League group. Angels. Yeah, it's a tough group actually. If you look at it, I, for the Marseille one that Rafa mentioned earlier, uh, it's tough as well. Uh, and then you even have Rennes for the uh, uh, Europa Conference League to play Spurs too. So... Some good games coming up from the from the French clubs in Europe, but it's good for for Bosch and to be fair for Kovac as well, and also Govenek at, at Lille to have their first win. It was not perfect, far from it. They could easily have drawn those games, but it would give them a bit of momentum. Bosch having new signing coming with Shakiri, I think Asmun, the famous Iranian Messi from the Gold Show, should be coming. I, I would expect him. They're trying. You'll have all the Messi's. You'll have all the Messi's apart. You know. Uh, yeah. which, we, which would be really good. There's another one that James mentioned. Who was we mentioned last week? Another Messi from another country. The Uzbek Messi. Shemur yeah. Uzbek yeah. Messi. You can't hands yeah, off. off. Hands off. Yeah, we yeah. can't have him just yet. And he would never come no. to our league, James, because as you know, he's the sixth best league in uh, Europe. Don't be so, too harsh on it, Jules. Uh, I'm okay. sure you'll it's bounce okay. back. The only way... The only way is up anyway. But, but yeah, good, good for them to come back uh, with a win, Lyon. And then at least they can look forward with a bit more... Uh, peace and keep working. And Peter Bosch, 
as we know, because we've seen him in Germany, going forward is great, he's defensively the problem. So if he can sort that out and the fact that he didn't consider goal, although they consider a lot of chances, would be, would be in, in a way, an improvement. Okay. Now, uh, last week there was all that trouble at Nice, Marseille. And at the time, uh, the result had been, uh, I guess, temporarily awarded to Nice. But I see that both teams have now got a, a game less in their in the, on the standings. They're mm-hmm. both uh, with the game in hand. So what's the latest on that? So there's a, there's a full investigation coming through. There's, there's also some criminals part of it uh, to do with some of the fans that came on and tried to fight the master players, even with Jorge Sampaoli's assistant, Pablo Fernandez, who was the guy who punched the, uh, the Nice Ultra. He's been suspended you know, indef- indefinitely. So he's in big trouble too. And then we will know, it'd be very interesting to see what happens to the two clubs, who wins, if there's a winner, if there's a winner, and then maybe Nice will get points docked because of the crowd trouble. What happens to Payet? Could he be also banned because he threw the bottle back? And the big debate in France is players should not react, whatever the, the context and the situation. And a lot of said, yeah, but there's a point where it's too much. And that's why Payet threw the bottle back, or at least, you know, the two bottles back. It'd be very interesting, it's a, as we've been saying all along, they're in a pickle because they allowed the game to start again and mm. knowing that the master players will not go back on the pitch. So if you give the win to Nice, it opens all sorts of troubles. I think what will happen is that both clubs will have zero points. Marseille can't have anything out of that game because they were losing and didn't want to play again. And Nice can't have the game won because of the, the crowd trouble from their own ultras. So I would expect a zero point for both and then long suspension for some Paoli's assistant, a suspension for Payet, but we will know a bit more in at the beginning of September. Okay, interesting. In the meantime, Nice had to play behind closed doors this weekend yes, as a result right. of that uh, violence last week. It didn't seem to affect them very much. They beat Bordeaux 4-0. They're five points behind PSG with, as it stands, a game in hand. But by the sound of it, they're unlikely to uh, get much chance to replay that fixture. Marseille, who were Nice's opponents in that game last week, also with the victory this week, uh, 3-1 against Saint-Etienne, which is nice because uh, Matteo Guendouzi became the first Arsenal player to score a league goal this season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it took you well. Uh, really good game. Again, so entertaining, this Marseille team with Sampaoli. They just, they run so much. It's quite similar, of course, to the to Bielsa's leads in the Premier League. If you, if you, if you want a, like a, another example, this is very similar, same formation uh, and tactics and same intensity and, and effort and running. And they get exposed and they could easily have considered more than one goal against Saint-Etienne. But also they're very fun to watch and score goals. And once Milik comes back from injury, for example, I think they will, have, they will be even better. And once some of the players who are still new to the, to the San Paoli methods, I was going to say to the Bielsa method, but once they get a bit more used to it, I think they will be, they will be even stronger. And it's just finding the right balance, isn't it, between not attacking too much, and still being able to defend. And then I think they, maybe of all the, the, the big teams that we mentioned, Lille and Monaco, Lyon, they're probably the one I would expect to, to be the closer to PSG during through the season. Really? Will Sampaoli get much time over the international break to work with his players or are they all heading off to their respective national teams? 
there's a few of them going going up, but not as as many as Kovac, for example, or even Bosch and and Pochettino. So it would be good for them as long as he gives them a bit of a break, because at times against that in that Saint-Étienne team towards the end, if they, they still looked. You could tell. I mean, they finished the games. They're completely exhausted. So I think they could do with a break. You might need a break, listener. After all that, uh, so let's take a very quick one and then uh, finish off with all the goals that have been flying in around the rest of City A. That's right, we heard how Juve lost to Empoli, but the other title contenders had excellent results. Into 3-1 at Verona, Napoli 2-1 at Genoa, Milan 4-1 against Cagliari with a brace from Olivier Giroud. Atlanta, not so great, only 0-0 with Bologna, but Lazio, boom, 6-1 against Spezia. Thiago Motta's at Spezia, hat-trick from Ciro Immobile, meaning that Sarri, after all the two games, is top of the table, thanks to a whopping goal difference. And across town at Roma, uh, Mourinho's flying too. The last three results for Roma, a 3-1 win against Fiorentina, a 3-0 win over Trabzonspor, Super League leaders, and then this 4-0 here. So th- this is not what we were expecting from Moo. Oh, James, it just feels like such a great fit right now. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the second half performance against uh, Salernitana, who I have told you in private, I think are probably the worst uh, team to come up uh, ever in you quite said some ever. time. In, in... Yeah. Why do you think they're so bad, James? Because I've seen their underlying numbers when they got promoted. They shouldn't have even been mid-table, Serie B, let alone second behind Empoli. And, you know, Fabrizio Castori, their manager, uh, is particularly negative, although he does keep getting teams up, so credit to Fabrizio. Um but second half, oh my God, second goal. Please go and search that out uh, for, from Roma, from a lovely bit of interplay between Carlos Perez, someone who you know, was loose change, lost down the back of the sofa. Roma didn't think they'd ever get rid of him and yet he comes in, plays, does really well, puts the ball in. Tammy Abraham, Mikatayan through ball, Jordan Veritu on his way to play for France, scores again, brilliant. Tammy Abraham, great first goal for the club after a really good uh, debut against Fiorentina. The team looks like, it, it, I mean, they were already very good players at Roma, but I think, mm. dare I say, the business that they've done in the transfer window, is it looks quite good as well. So good vibes at the moment, James. Very, right. um, yeah, heady days right now. It is August. Yeah, Tottenham fans, this is bringing back all sorts of memories for them <laughs> of that uh, amazing season they had last year when they won the league and everything. <laughs> Look, uh, I am more than aware of, of, mm. of, of, of what has happened to Moo, but he, um, yeah, he just, he just, he's in that mode at the moment where, you know, I mean, he was, he was saying that he's at a club where there are real fans. Right. Um, and, uh, and also re- real, <laughs> real journalists. You're yes. asking questions about tactics. About tactics, yeah. <laughs> so, what did he say? Uh, he said, uh, I, "I love press conferences in Italy. Um, you know, makes a change from England, where they're all trying to stir up controversy and talk about crises. Whereas uh, here, they want to talk about tactics, and I love talking about tactics, but I can't talk about them with you um, because you're journalists, something like that. No, but I mean, he said, I can't talk about it with you class. because you're too good at it. Too good. That was it. Too yeah. good." Too yes. good at it. Yeah, that's why he never comes on this show. So good. Now, uh, as as honeymoon as that is, what about 
Uh, Mauricio Sarri, who's making whoopee uh, with Lazio. Are you amazed at how quickly he's managed to bring Sarri ball uh, to Formello? <laughs> I am, because um, uh, pre-season didn't look like it was going great. They uh, weren't lighting it up, uh, let's say. There were no indications that they were going to play as well at the start of the season. Um, you know, he fell out with some of the fans in their preseason training camp who were kind of booing and whistling and insulting their backup striker, Fedat Muriki. Um, obviously, he wanted them to sign this guy outside Hisai from Napoli. Um, and he's Albanian and, and, and was singing Bella Ciao as his initiation song, which did not go down well with the, uh, the Lazio Ultras because it's a, it's, a, it's a partisan song. But he was, he was singing it because he'd seen it in La, uh, La Casa del Papel, no? Um, and yet, you know, they've, they've been brilliant. And also the club had all these problems because the owner kind of owns Salernitano and you're not allowed to own two clubs in the, in the same league. And uh, and then Lazio had financial problems, which meant they couldn't sign anyone. Uh, and yet they played Sarri ball straight straight away. It's been bang I mean, they've gone behind in both games. Okay, they've only played mm. against uh, Empoli and Spezia, so maybe it's it's too early. But I mean, Immobile with that first half hat trick, um, some really kind of tasty set pieces, throwback Sarri stuff, and then uh, I mean, they are old hat guys that you know. I suppose sort of prem boys would be saying, ah, Felipe Anderson, Pedro, they can only do it in Serie A. But they kind of just work for Sarri because they're two ambidextrous players or ambipedal players. Um, You never know who's on which side. And they already had a really good midfield with Luis Alberto and stuff. So, yeah, it's, Mm. it's kind of exciting. It is Lazio. He did have a good start with, with with Chelsea as well. I guess, as you mentioned, the opponents have been of the easier variety. But the next game, coming up for Lazio straight after the international break could be a, a, a test uh, because they're away at San Siro against Milan, who are also looking really, really good, no? The 4-1 victory this weekend against Cagliari, the brace from Olivier Giroud on his home debut. Also, that Sandro Tonali free kick. If if you're a, a young player who who's getting tired of the comparisons with Andrea Pirlo, that's not the kind of free kick you want to be striking. I mean, there's a great uh, tweet uh, which was put out, which was a side-by-side of, of Pirlo's first goal for Milan at San Siro, which is free kick, exactly the same as the one that Tonali scored. They're completely different players. They're not the same player. Um, and uh, Tonali, in some respects, is quite fortunate to still be at Milan after being very disappointing uh, last year. was actually sent back to Brescia. They renegotiated the terms to get him on a cheaper fee, even took a wage cut to come back uh, to the club. But... You know, he has played okay in his first two games and they're going to need him to play okay because Kessie and Benacer will go away for the African Cup of Nations. Um, but Milan were very good. I think Giroud is a perfect fit for them. Might give a headache for Stefano Pioli because when Ibrahimovic is back, are they going to move away from the system that they've been playing for the last 18 months or is he going to try and get Giroud and Ibrahimovic to, to play together? Can they play together? But uh, yeah, Leal was fantastic. You know, he's quite a frustrating player, but I thought he was he was very good in in the first half and um, and Manyan as well um, in their first game of the, the season against uh, Samp. Um, you know, no regrets for losing Donnarumma, even though he's man of the tournament of the Euros and he's been on the bench ever since at PSG. But I mean, I think Milan are, if anything, an example of the strength of Ligue 1. No, in terms of strength of of of, of players that have come no, out of France, surely not. Manian, so. Teo Hernandez, no, 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 no. Olivier no, Giroud, no, no, no. 
Um, no. Timu Bakayoko. Um, no. Benacer early on. Oh, stop it. Um, and, and their signings, Yassin Adli from, uh, from Bordeaux, who's apparently a very good player who'll stay there for a year. And they might sign um, the kid from Brest, the number 10 winger, Roman Fevre. Exciting, exciting. Hmm. Absolutely. By the way, if you're thinking Milan Lazio, I'd love to see a bit of that. And that Napoli Juve sounds really good as well. Great news is we'll be bringing you the big Sunday night clash when City uh, A returns off the international break. Live on BT Sport with all the goals from the weekend. That's uh, me and James. The rest of you are welcome to pop along too, if you like. All right. Uh, we haven't mentioned Inter, so very quickly to say that they are continuing their excellent start under former Lazio manager Simone Inzaghi. They've picked up former uh, Lazio star Joaquin Correa last week as well. And barely a day after signing on for the Nerazzurri, he debuted against Verona and had quite the impact, James. Yeah, came off the bench and uh, scored a couple of goals. First, a, a towering header. He's taller than you think, is his career. And then kind of trademark goal for his second. Uh, but, you know, was always an Inter fan. Uh, I think went to Apiano Gentile, the training ground when he was a kid. It's got photos of him at San Siro in an Inter tracksuit uh, with Javier Zanetti. Uh, Inter are fine. Inter look uh, like they're able to replace and they, they've had time to replace Romelu Lukaku in a way that Juventus haven't with Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, either, whether it's Dzeko and Lautaro who came back and scored his uh, first goal of the season or it's Dzeko and, Laut- and, and Joaquin Correa, they seem better set right now than, uh, than, than what's going on over in Turin. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting, isn't it? Very good. Next up, everybody, is the international break. So I do hope you enjoy that little uh, palate cleanser before uh, we crack on with the rest of this uh, developing campaign across Europe. That brings us pretty much, I think, to the end, though, of today's totally football show European edition you have a super week and we'll return soon enough for now from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.